that game bread fight? Who? Game bread, Jorge Masvidal. Who is that? There you go. There's a guy in your division that's become a huge star this year in Masvidal. Um, do you think that's the name that, that makes sense for you most right now? What, or what do you see next for yourself? Who? Everybody getting it. Especially that, that owl dude. I'm going owl hunting, man. I want some owl soup. I'm telling that this dude man, this is disrespectful with that who shit, bro. You fucking know who, man. And if you don't, when we get in that fucking ring, you'll find out why. Badly. Love to introduce myself to you in the ring. guys we're back and this week it's for an amazing card uh got a switch up here very recently with uh masvidal versus uzman that's the original fight a lot of people wanted so you know uh pretty cool there there's a lot of sick fights in between uh, all those fighting volkanovsky max holloway so i'm excited to break this card down but right before we do that it has been uh you know a little while but on the last event for ufc vegas 4 i did say that you know, put down your main card picks once again. The winner would get a shout out on my channel. And there was a couple guys that tied for uh, the win here. They both went four out of five. So shout out to them. And um, on Friday as well, make sure to catch that odds HQ because if you did, uh, you know, get involved in that crazy parlay, um, you will get a shout out there as well. And uh, we might be doing some giveaways, things like that in the future. So, you know, just be on the lookout for that. And uh, thanks for always supporting. But, um, we're about to show the uh, two channels that did get the uh, win on the um, competition for last week. And uh, you see the first person here, uh, Aaron Harkies. He doesn't have a channel, so I'm not going to pull it up here. But uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, he did pick a TKO, but he, he got that incorrect. But, um, you know, Poirier was correct. Perry was correct. Brennan Allen was correct. Maurice Green was correct. Even though he wasn't... Uh, good on the finishes he's still getting the correct winners and um you know he was one of the few that was able to get um four of the five winners uh both guys did pick sean woodson to get the victory which you know makes sense he was a huge favorite but they were the only two guys that had four out of five there so shout out to aaron harkies for one and uh hopefully he's going to be commenting this week you know defending his crown but uh We'll see. The next guy here that got the win here was MMA Outsider. So shout out to him. Um, he had four out of five as well. He had Poirier, Perry, Allen, Green, Woodson. So the same exact picks as Aaron, but both of them went four out of five. So uh, did great on the main card. And um, I'm going to pull up here uh, for you guys. Um, here is uh, MMA Outsider's channel. He does look like he's a, uh, you know, a content guy. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and subscribe to his channel as well right now. So, uh, you guys could just see right there, or I don't know, I have to, it's not in the picture, but see, you guys see a little bit right here where it says, so I just subbed to his channel as well, so I'll check out some of his content, but it looks like he made a uh, video earlier today, a few videos, uh, a few days ago, so he's building up, and uh, shout out to him, he he did a good job uh, with the prediction, so maybe he's going to have a good channel, make sure to uh, go over there and support him, so shout out to uh, MA Outsider for the victory on this one. We're moving on to Fight Island here. And the first fight of the night, Martin Day, Davy Grant. Interesting fight because both these guys have kind of uh, had long lulls in their career. They kind of wasted a lot of their career away due to injuries, things like that. So 
one guy's going to, you know, proceed forward. The other guy's going to take a big step backwards. But Martin Day, he's going to be making his second UFC start here. He's still in search of his first win in the UFC. He hasn't fought in about 20 months, and he's 31 years old, so he needs to get it rolling here if he wants to make a run. He is a good rangy striker. He's uh, creative, and he lets it all go in there. He has very good hands, throws some uh, very nice uh, combinations, really uh, nasty jabs, straight punches. He throws peppering shots in combination that kind of stun fighters, then you'll come in with the harder shots he'll go to the body very well likes to throw straight rights to the body to left hooks to the head he'll throw some nasty hooks downstairs as well he switches stances very good movement pull counters just a very slick guy out there you know he's just you know uh really touching and moving nice kicks heavy calf kicks he has a uh, good lead leg side kicks body head he has uh, real snappy front kicks throw some round kicks body head with both legs and Throws a lot of spinning attacks, spinning hook kicks, spinning back fists. He'll get creative throwing Superman punches, flying knees, flying elbows. Very dynamic guy. Very fun to watch. He does play with his hands down. And sometimes he can go to the well with the spins a little bit too much. And if fighters can catch a mid-kick or spin, I mean, he can be hurt. He can be uh, countered and hurt. We saw that against Ping Wan Lu. And um, he has been KO'd once in his career, but he has four KOs himself and Definitely is the superior striker in this matchup. Martin Day's grappling, though, um, is his weak point. He is clearly improving. Uh, he has good distance control. He's a fast twitch guy, so he's hard to get inside on anyways. And uh, fighters tend to uh, have to take him down by catching his kicks or, uh, you know, pushing him to the fence, backing him up. And he's realized that. He's really improved his takedown defense against the cage. He always uh, locks a strong wizard. He keeps a wide base. He'll limp leg out of single legs. He's getting better with his takedown defense in the clinch. He has great balance. He was able to defend all the takedown attempts of Ping Wan Lu, actually. And he even hit a, you know, a couple clinch, uh, clinch takedowns. He doesn't really like being on top, though. He'll land a couple elbows or punches and just get back to his feet. He did a good job of standing up whenever Lu pulled guard in his last fight. And he does have those long arms. And he has a couple guillotines on his record. Did attempt to Darce in his last fight, and he showed some good submission defense, stays calm. He survived uh, two pretty deep choke attempts, and he's never been submitted in his career. He still isn't the best on the ground. He did give his back after being dropped in the third round against Lou. He lost his uh, fight on the Contender Series kind of uh, via being out-grappled. And if you beat Martin Day, usually it's going to be through out-grappling him. But Day does uh, slow down a little bit as well in the third round. But overall, traditionally, you know, he could definitely bring it. It's just he's not as dynamic, not as uh, creative as the fight goes on. I'm sure he's going to be hungry after a long layoff, after a close decision loss, which I kind of felt he deserved a win. So I'm sure he's going to be ready to go here and be very motivated to get the victory. But he's going to be taking on Davy Grant, who's probably going to be confident. He's coming in here off of a win that he had in November. It was his first win since uh, 2016, so... I mean, he's been very inactive throughout his UFC career. He's been in the UFC since 2013 and only has five UFC fights. He has been up and down so far in his UFC career, but isn't a bad fighter. He is aggressive. He has a forward pressure striker. Likes to come forward with the wide stance, use long punches. He has a nice jab, good one too. And when he gets inside, he likes to throw wide hooks, overhands. He'll sit down, throw with power, along with attacking the body. He has very nice knees when he gets fighters against the fence. And he'll land big knees from the tie plum at the end of combinations. 
He will close the distance with some nice lead uppercuts. He has nice uh, rounded front kicks to the body, to the head. He also throws some front leg side kicks. He does hold his hands low. He can be a little bit reckless. He could throw naked kicks. and uh, He got dropped hard by a straight punch against Manny Bermudez, who isn't a great striker. And he isn't a big power guy. He relies on volume. Only has one career TKO. He is very tough. You have to put him out to stop him. He's never been finished by strikes. And he's a decent wrestler. He'll use forward pressure, back opponents to the cage, shoot in on singles, doubles. And that's something that Martin Day has struggled with historically. Grant is strong in the clinch. Good offense with knees, with dirty boxing. He'll get that single collar, throw uppercuts. And when he actually does get in top position, he will transition to dominant positions pretty quickly. He'll land some big punches, use that to pass, and he'll go to mount. He'll make opponents give their back, score some rear naked chokes. He has four career rear naked choke victories. And uh, early in Grant's career, he scored a lot of guillotines as well. But he makes a lot of mistakes in top position. He leaves his arms available to be armbarred. Just doesn't have great top control or submission defense. Even in Grant's uh, last fight, he got a couple takedowns but struggled to keep position. He was threatened with an armbar with the Kimura. And uh, he's been submitted in all four of his career losses. Eight submissions of his own, though, so he's dangerous on the mat. He pushes hard, but definitely slows down in the third round. He is 2-0 in decisions, but never has had a finish after the second round. And he's going to be the veteran here with much more experience. And he needs to kind of use that to grind out a victory. I think this is a close, competitive fight. I'm going to go with the younger guy that I see improving in Martin Day. I think Day has the striking advantage. He's much faster. He showed a lot of improvement on his takedown defense in his last fight. He never got taken down, landed a takedown of his own, and he has some good elbows in top position. His submission defense isn't bad. I think he has enough to get back to his feet or maybe even maybe even sweep Grant if he gets taken down. So I'm going to go with uh, Day via decision or TKO. So my pick here is going to be Martin Day to get the victory. And up next here we have another fun fight, Carol Rosa taking on Vanessa Mello. And Rosa, this is going to be her second fight in the UFC. She was able to get a win. Uh, it was a split decision in her last fight. She handed an undefeated fighter their first loss. And she's had four four canceled fights in a row since then. They've all been against Julia Avila. And it's been uh, either Rosa pulling out or COVID canceling the event. And, uh, you know, so she hasn't fought since November of 2019. So it's been a little bit of a layoff for her, but not too bad. Rosa, you know, uh, she is a mean potato striker, kind of likes to come forward, a little flat-footed, and she works behind jabs, leg kicks, very sharp, stiff jab, good one too. She'll throw the pool counter and the straight right hand along with a really nice right hook, and she'll throw a left hook straight right hand, and her, her hand speed is pretty good. She catches girls as they come inside, and once she can back opponents up, she uh, will wing some wild overhands to close the distance, some big hooks that have power on them. She will throw some uh, occasional front kicks, some knees. She's solid at blocking and returning in the pocket, but she is very hittable. She doesn't move her head much, and she stands uh, right in front of opponents with very little movement. She's a tough chick, and when she gets hit, she kind of gets emotional. She wants to try to get it back immediately. And, uh, you know, we saw that in her last fight. I think she got hit like 11 times per minute. But Rosa is going to be the better striker on the outside in this fight. But she has to control the distance. I don't think she hits as hard as Mello. Even though that's kind of debatable. She, uh, you know, she maybe does. I mean, that's, like I said, it's debatable. But she has to be able to not only dictate the range but the pace by kind of stinging Mello as she tries to come in, I feel like. 
And Rosa does have four KOs in 12 fights. She did get a knockdown in her last fight, and she's never been finished by strikes. So definitely has shown good durability throughout her career. And she's a good grappler. She likes to mix it up, and she uh, usually looks for single legs or clinch takedowns against the cage. She is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, which, you know, I didn't know that until I just looked it up recently. But she has a good double leg as well, and she's good at taking mount. She'll uh, get to mount, finish fights from there with either submissions or with ground and pound. And uh, she does have two submission victories, but she can let uh, opponents kind of use her momentum against her in the clinch, throw her, just kind of off-balance her and get her down. And she is good at uh, scrambling back to her feet. She'll belly down, grab a single leg, and then take top position. But when she fought uh, Larissa Pacheco, you know, she did kind of get grinded out, ground and pounded in that fight. Um, and I've seen her, you know, Kimura'd and swept with the Kimura and finish it with the Kimura while she was in top position before. So, you know, her submission defense has been a bit questionable in the past, but, you know, she has been submitted two times. She has two submissions of her own. She has good cardio. She's durable. She's only 25, so she, she should be the girl that's getting better, improving, and, uh, you know, uh, she probably will look better here than she did in her last fight. And Vanessa Mello, she hasn't had much success in the octagon. She's 0-2. I don't even know if she's been able to win a round in there. And she's fought two fairly good fighters, but hasn't really shown a good skill set. She's very basic. Her footwork is just not good. She's very flat-footed, very slow, just tries to inch her way in the boxing range. She tends to do a lot of waiting right in front of opponents so she can counter. She will throw some inside leg kicks, but... She's almost exclusively a puncher. She has a decent jab, uh, lead left hook. She likes to, uh, you know, slip the jab, come over the top with the overhand right or right hook. She'll, uh, you know, slip and throw a jab or a left hook as well. And she throws a lot of arm punches. Um, I don't think she really throws with a lot of power a lot of the time. And when fighters pressure her, she tends to back up at straight lines. She gives up the center very easily. She doesn't move her head. She gets hit entering range. She... I don't know. She's just not very good. She has horrible footwork. She does come in shape, and she tends to, you know, walk these girls down and have a little bit more success in the later half of the fights. In the pocket, she will wing some punches, and she did look to kind of, you know, stun Tracy Cortez a little bit at times. But uh, she doesn't have big power. She has no KOs in her career. And she's only been TKO'd one time. I mean, she is a very durable girl. And uh, she isn't very active uh, looking for takedowns or the clinch. I mean, I've seen her shoot some takedowns when she can back punch to the cage. But they don't look very technical. I have seen her hit some double legs, um, you know, but against low-level competition. Her takedown defense isn't terrible. Mello, she was able to defend a lot of the takedowns against the cage against Tracy Cortez. But Cortez was able to control against the fence. She was able to... Ultimately, I think catch a kick, get a takedown, and Mello couldn't get up off her back. She does have two career submissions, Mello, but uh, I would be surprised if she caught a submission here. She's never been submitted herself, and I'm going to go with Rosa. I think she's going to probably get a comfortable decision. Mello just lacks that footwork to get inside, and she st really struggled to even strike with the subpar striker like Tracy Cortez. Rosa, even though she doesn't have the best footwork either, she's going to have the, you know, the range. She's going to have two and a half inches of reach. And she throws nice straight strikes down the middle. She'll throw some heavy low kicks. I think her punches 
are a lot more straight than Melo's. Melo is a little bit wide, and I think she's just going to connect a lot more. Keep her at the end of the shots. I think the leg kicks are going to add up as well for uh, Rosa. Melo's going to need to take a lot of punishment, use that forward pressure to wear on Rosa. Try to either steal two rounds or finish the fight somehow. I mean, even then, I think Rosa hits harder. Um, I don't know. Like I was saying earlier, I, I said Melo hit it harder. But that's kind of a, a wash. I mean, they both uh, aren't the hardest hitters. So it's just I don't think that Melo is going to knock her out. I think that Rosa is just faster, more technical. And Rosa's a dog. I mean, she's not just going to back off. She's going to go to war if it gets like that. And I think Rosa's the better grappler. Um, I've just never been a fan of Melo. I think Rosa's going to school her. I think, um, you know, Rosa can't get emotional and brawl. That'll give uh, Melo the best chance to win. But uh, if she doesn't do that, she should dominate. So I'm going to go with Carol Rosa via decision here. And I'm next here. This is an intriguing fight. Uh, Zogis Umagulov, he's making his UC debut. Uh, taking on a young guy that's improving and uh, looked pretty good so far in his UFC career in, in uh, Harley on Paiva. And for Paiva, he finally broke through. He was 0-2 to start his UFC career, but he knocked Mark De La Rosa out pretty good. And uh, he's only 24, so he has a long time to keep improving, growing. He's a well-rounded fighter. He has finishing ability. He's tall. He's rangy. And uh, he plays the range game very well. He's going to have, uh, you know, I feel quite a bit of reach here. He's 3 inches taller. Has long arms as it is. And uh, Zuma Gulov, he's going to be making his uh, UFC debut. And he's been on a good run. He's the Fight Night Globals uh, champion. He's taking out some UFC veterans. And he's a good addition to the division. And a big guy. He has a good reach, a good frame. He uh, loves the left hook. He'll throw low kicks to left hooks or vice versa. Some good body attacks. He'll close the distance with body shots, come up into hooks. Do the same with uppercuts. And uh, he has good forward pressure. He cuts the cage off well. Good head movement. And he can be low volume. And he's also a little bit hittable at times. He just walks forward in straight lines. Can get hit coming in. He will make sense some uh, level changes. And then kind of use that level change to get you to lower your uh, guard. And then you'll throw a spinning attack and try to hurt you with it. He's a decent fighter overall. He's tricky. He has 6 KOTKOs in his career. And he's only been finished one time by strikes. And uh, he's well-rounded. He has fights where he wins with a striking heavy game plan. Other fights where he wins grappling heavy game plans. And he gets nice double leg takedowns. But his top control really isn't very good. He'll hit multiple takedowns in one round. And win rounds that way. But he isn't dangerous. And he struggles to hold guys down when he gets on top. Only has one career submission. And he does have above average takedown defense. He has been taken down though. Controlled in rounds and fights. He struggled with the takedowns of Ali Bogotinov, who's a UFC veteran. But he's defensively sound on the mat, pretty good get-ups. His last loss was due to him being grinded out. And, uh, you know, so that is kind of a weak point in his game a little bit. But he has very good cardio. He has the will to win. You'll push hard for three or five rounds. Durable, tough guy. But I'm going to go with Paiva in this one. I think, uh, you know, I like uh, Zogas' body-head combinations. I like his head movement. But I think Pive is the better range striker. He throws with more bad intentions. I think he has more power. I think the length, the range of Pive will help him with the straights, the straight rights down the middle. I think he's going to keep that distance. I think that if Zuma Gulov looks for takedowns, he may be able to get some doubles, but 
don't see him holding down Paiva. Paiva's very dynamic with his submission game off his back, with his sweeping game off his back. So I think it's almost, you know, a bad idea to try to take down Paiva if you're a Zogus. And I just think Paiva's a little bit faster. I think he's more dynamic. I think that he hits harder. I just think he's a little bit better fighter. He has the experience of fighting in the UFC, obviously. And uh, I think he's going to win a competitive decision here. I think Zumagulov, you know, he has the cardio. He's a veteran. He's going to push him. But uh, I just think that Paiva is better. So I think Paiva is going to get the victory here. And uh, I'm not sure we have another late replacement fight. Marching Tybora taking on Maxine Grishin. And a fun fight here. Tybora, he finally got off the snide in that last fight. He snapped his two-fight losing streak. Won a decision against Sergey Spivak. And Tybura, you know, he's athletic for a big guy. He's light on his feet. Uses a lot of straight punches, straight front kicks to the body. And then you'll throw those nice round round kicks to the head. You'll switch stances. He has a good jab, good counter right hook. He'll throw a leaping straight left. He'll throw a nice uppercut left hook combination. His head movement isn't the worst, but does tend to hold his hands low. He gets a little bit square, gets very hittable. Doesn't really control the center well. And, um... You know, doesn't really have the best footwork. Also, he likes to shell up when he gets hit, which makes fighters, you know, able to wail on him and take him out. We saw Sergey Spivak had a lot of success with his boxing against Tybora. And I just feel like Tybora's striking it has diminished a little bit. But he has been KO'd four times in his career. His chin isn't necessarily what it once was, but I still think his chin isn't like totally gone. And uh, he does have seven KOs himself. And He's a good grappler. I mean, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, strong body lock, strong double legs. He has uh, good takedowns against the cage, good control there as well. Um, doesn't really do much. He kind of just likes to take a break and control, but, you know, he will lean on you, just wear on you that way. He can't be reversed and just kind of have his back against the cage himself, but he does have uh, good shots for a good for a, for a big guy, very fast takedown shots. He'll... Uh, you know, feign a jab or throw a straight or throw a jab out there and then duck under into a blast double. Kind of like the way Curtis Blades does. In his fight with Spivak, he did get some several, uh, he did get several well-timed double legs. He has shown some good passing ability. Great job of taking them out, taking the back. He doesn't really do a ton of damage in those positions or look for submissions, which I wish he was more dangerous in those positions. But, uh, you know, his cardio is a little bit questionable as well and he slows down and kind of has, kind of has these lapses in judgment which is interesting in this type of fight where he had to travel he's um, fighting a guy that's probably gonna be a lot quicker than him so he can't make a lot of mistakes on the feet and he's also you know fighting in this heat in Abu Dhabi so it's gonna be interesting to see how Tybora looks here but Tybora has six submissions in his career he's never been submitted and uh, for his opponent here, Maxine Grisham, he accepted the call. He's getting a late notice shot here with the UFC. And he's enjoyed a good career already. I mean, he's a veteran of M1, KSW, the PFL. And he only has one loss in his last 21 fights. So, I mean, I'll say that again. He only has one loss in his last 21 fights. That's pretty impressive. He's beaten some named guys. Done some good work. And, you know, that's has been exclusively at 205, though. So... That's something that you have to take into account. And this will be his first heavyweight fight since 2011. Six of Grisham's seven losses have came at heavyweight. 
He's only 11-6 and six at heavyweight, so doesn't have the greatest record there. And Grishin isn't super impressive to me. I mean, he has decent striking. He's more of a counter-striker, but he'll probe the jab. He has heavy low kicks. He has uh, good straight punch blitz combos down the middle. He has a nice straight right hand. He'll look for round kicks to the body, good high kicks. He likes to counter-strike, keep the volume low, pot shot. And he has big power. He could put fighters out if he lands the right shot. And uh, 15 KOs in his career. So, I mean, that's just proof that he can knock you out. Half of his fights, he's got a knockout. And he'll mix it up. He can grapple. He'll use body shots to kind of disguise the level change as well. He has a good single leg. He'll push fighters to the cage. Good uh, chain grappling from there. Good control in the clinch. He'll hit some trips, some throws. And he's heavy on top. He likes to sit in half guard, land elbows. He'll soften fighters up and eventually hit submissions. Good arm triangles. Good back takes, good rear naked chokes. Six career submissions for Grishin. He kind of struggles with his takedown defense against the cage. And against Jordan Johnson, he struggled to get his back off the cage. He was taken down a couple times, but he did show some good get-ups. He is hard to control. He has been submitted three times, but those were all a long time ago. And he's going to be very undersized here. He uh, is a big light heavyweight. But he's not going to be anywhere near the size of a guy like Marcin Tybora. Taking this fight on short notice. It's his debut. So a lot of question marks here. This is a good fight. It's a good short notice matchup. Grishin is going to have the advantage on the feet. He's probably going to have a big speed advantage. I think Tybora is going to be looking for the takedowns. Looking at clinch gets a cage. Use his size to win. He isn't completely overmatched on the feet. But I just think Grishin is better. And I think if they strike, I think Grishin will probably... Eventually land a shot that kind of hurts Tybor. Or if he can't hurt him because that power doesn't translate, then maybe he'll just be able to kind of outstrike him, outmaneuver him, and you know, outpoint fight him to a decision. But I'm kind of leaning towards Tybora, man. I mean, I think Tybora should shoot a lot of takedowns in this fight, should try to work a lot of grappling, try to take that Jordan Johnson game plan. And he's a bigger guy, so I think that. You know, he might get tired with the game plan as well, but he's the guy that's the natural heavyweight. He's the bigger guy in there. He's the guy that's used to carrying that weight when he fights. And I think Grishin, if they really grapple heavy, they both, they might both be very tired. And uh, Tybora will maybe just be able to control the action with his size and kind of eliminate that speed factor for Grishin once he gets tired, make the striking a little bit more competitive. And just steal around through that. I mean, he's a black belt on the ground. So, I'm going to go with Tybora. I think he's going to get the win here. Either via submission or decision. So, uh, I'm going to pick Marching Tybora here. And up next we have another really awesome fight. I really like this fight. Leonardo Santos taking on Roman Bogatov. Leonardo Santos, he's finally back in. He had another year-long layoff, which I don't like seeing. And his UC career has been kind of sad, man. I mean, he's been nothing short of amazing when he can enter the cage, but just hasn't been able to as often as he wants. He's been in the UFC seven years, only has seven fights. He's unbeaten. He's taken out some of the top fighters in the division. He just never got that push or that fanfare due to his inactivity. He's now 40 years old, and it may be too late for him to make a title run, but, you know, he's fighting a newcomer here, which to me is a bit disrespectful. He uh, definitely didn't look old in his last fight. He had a resounding one-punch knockout. His striking has come a long way. He has two knockouts in his last three fights. He's long. He's rangy. Good distance control. 
Very nice low leg kicks inside and outside. Very nice jab. Very sharp one-two. He'll throw a nasty left hook straight right hand combination. Really nice counter left uppercut. He'll throw a left uppercut right hook combo. His lateral movement is very good. He's very good at keeping fighters at the end of his punches. He has a good overhand right. Good at using his uh, uh, left hook to angle back to the center of the cage. Not allowing his punch to back him up. Very good pull counters. He was able to land a straight right pull counter on Stevie Ray that put him out cold. One shot. Uh, very nice round kicks, front kicks to the body. He'll throw some nice counter knees to the body. Heavy head kicks. He uh, is good at mixing in head kicks mid-combination. His defense is not the best. He doesn't move his head well. Opponents seem to be able to tag him with straight punches if they can get inside of his reach. He tends to kind of throw one at a time inside of uh, instead of combinations. So opponents who throw more than one can sometimes land some counter combos on him. He's heavy on that lead leg, so he can get that leg chewed up at times. But when he starts to get hit, he will get gun shy. He'll shoot bad takedowns. He'll pull guard. He'll start to allow opponents to walk him down. And going backwards for a lot of the fight can gas Santos out. And he kind of has had poor third rounds in the past. But he's very dangerous in the first round. I mean, if he catches you in the first round, he can knock you out. We saw that against Stevie Ray, Kevin Lee. Um, he's a hard fighter to look good against, even on the feet. He's um, good. He's long enough to kind of land some counters that get his opponent's attention. Has a really good blast double leg. And uh, fighters just don't want to commit because of the fear of being taken down. And it can make for low-volume fights. But uh, he has three KOs in his career. He's been knocked out once very early in his career. And uh, for Santos, I mean, he's a legend in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's a fourth-degree black belt, a very strong wrestler as well. And maybe isn't the best offensive wrestler, but he's extremely hard to take down. He's been, uh, he hasn't been taken down since his UFC debut. He can be held against the cage and kind of can allow himself to lose rounds that way. We saw that when he fought Norman Park, but, uh, he's very hard to take down. And he showed some great timing on double legs, good clinch takedowns, super fast with his back takes and the scrambles, even from standing. And if he can get on top, obviously you're in trouble. He has fantastic arm triangles. Good rear naked chokes. Even off his back, he's very good. I mean, we haven't been able to see much of it because of his UFC career. Or in his UFC career because guys just don't want to take him down. But he is an excellent butterfly guard. Very good submission. Sweeps off his back. And uh, overall, he has 9 submissions in his 17 wins. And his opponent, Rowan Bogatov, he is undefeated. He's 10-0. and And he's getting a big opportunity here. He's fighting a borderline top 15 opponent. He uh, is credentialed. He's the M1 champion currently. He defended the belt two times, and he's fought some decent competition, but Santos is definitely a sizable step up. Watching Bogotov's style, he kind of reminds me of Bartos Fabinski. He's better on the feet than Bartos, but not by a lot. He has a pressure style. He likes to control the center. He uh, has his hands down, uses a lot of fakes, feints, head movement, switches stances, but just isn't very dangerous. He likes to use his lead hand, usually... You know, uh, to throw a lot of jabs, left hooks. He'll feint level changes and then throw straight right hands. He likes to blitz forward with one-twos. He'll also fake level changes and then come up into spinning attacks, spinning elbows, spinning back fists. He'll throw some flying knees, some Superman punches. And he just kind of is getting wild to close the distance. And, uh, you know, when he's on the back foot, his defense is not good. He's very uncomfortable. He's stiff. Um... 
you know, fighters who can stuff Bogota's takedowns are likely going to beat him. But he's still undefeated. No one has been able to solve the puzzle yet. And he's an elite wrestler. He has very good level changes. He's just a grinder. I mean, if he doesn't get the first takedown, he's undeterred. He'll just continue to look for opportunities to shoot. Likes the double leg. And that's what he usually gets the fights to the mat with. On top, he's very heavy. Good control. He'll sit in half guard, work arm triangles. Three arm triangles in his career. He'll look for front chokes and scrambles. He His jiu-jitsu is good but not great. I would say he can get swept. I've seen him give up his back. He's been threatened with submissions. But he's good at scrambling, not accepting bottom position. Against a fighter like Leo Santos, though, I mean, one mistake, it could be curtains. And Bogotov, he has five submissions and ten wins. He has good cardio, a good round winning style, and he should win UFC fights. But looking at this fight, this is a bad matchup for Bogotov. There's not a lot of places for Roman to hide in this contest. On the feet, I feel Santos is better. He's going to piece Roman up. On the mat, I think he's much better. And even if he has to, even if he's to get taken down, which is easier said than done, I see him sweeping, getting the dominant position. Santos has one of the best butterfly guards in the business. If Santos gets on top of Bogotov, it could be uh, all she wrote also. The only way I see Roman winning this fight is if he can just hold Santos against the cage for three rounds or Santos just all of a sudden looks old. But, uh... You know, I think it's a pretty safe bet that Santos finishes this guy inside the distance. I mean, I watched this fight with Mikel Laboot, who's a UFC reject, and he struggled a little bit to take down Laboot at times. Laboot was able to outstrike him at times as well, so I'm not 100% sold on Bogotov. I think that Santos is a lot better than him, a lot more dangerous, and I think he's going to take him out. So I'm going with Leo Santos to get the victory here. And uh, up next here we have Makwan Amerikani taking on Danny Henry. Makwan, he's looking to get back on track. He suffered a setback his last time out. He lost to Shane Burgos, got finished in the third round. And he's been inconsistent. He's only 2-2 two two in his last four UFC fights. His opponent, Danny Henry, he's making his return. He's had a pretty long layoff. He hasn't fought since March of last year. And in that fight, he got taken out very quickly by Dan Ige. He is 2-1 in the UFC. He's a tough, scrappy guy. But I'm going to have to go with Makwan here. I mean, he's undoubtedly fought the higher-level competition. He's clearly the better grappler, and I think the long, wide stance of Henry will allow Makwan to get in on single legs. Henry's six feet tall. He stands tall. He's slow. He's flat-footed. He does have some nice straights down the pipe, decent front kicks, and he's a dog. I mean, Henry will take a shot to give a shot. He likes to take licks early to tire guys out and then whip up on him later. And Henry's only UFC fight that went minutes, I mean, he was dominated early by Daniel Tamer. He got hurt, he got dropped more than once, but was able to survive, and then he took uh, out the exhausted Tamer, you know, took him out late in the third, or I think it went to decision, I don't really remember 100%, but uh, Henry does have really nice guillotines, he had a high elbow and it came to Wodu that put him out cold very early in their fight, he landed a straight, hurt him, latched onto that neck and just didn't want to let go, man, and eventually put him out, I haven't seen much of Henry off of his back, but he has great cardio, he has mental toughness, and he has to lean on that here. He has to survive the first, gas out Makwan, and take him out late. For uh, Makwan, everyone knows the game plan. I mean, he's an ankle diver. He wants to make the fights wrestling matches. Honestly, though, Makwan's hard to hit on the feet. He makes guys hesitant to throw because of the wrestling. Uses a lot of movement. He's never a stationary target. And he has a decent jab, decent left hook. The left hook is a strike... Uh, 
Henry's very susceptible to. Henry kind of just floats his chin out there at times. So, I mean, Maquan could land some shots on the feet. He isn't the greatest striker, but I honestly think he can compete with Henry. He should be able to land the jab, land that lead hook. And he does hit semi-hard. I mean, you also mix in some crazy flying attacks. And he's an elite wrestler. I mean, that's what he's going to be looking to do here. He has very good singles, doubles, uh, very good at hitting body locks off the cage. We saw him being able to muscle Burgos to the mat multiple times that way. And Burgos is one of the biggest, strongest guys in that division. Amir Khani on top, he has very good control, very good submissions. I just think Makwan is the better fighter. I mean, the cardio, the heat does worry me. But I think he's just going to be able to do what he wants more often than not. Get the takedowns. He's never lost two in a row. I just think he's the better athlete. He's more well-rounded. And he's he's just more dominant in that one skill set of wrestling. I think he should win a decision here. Maybe even get a first-round submission. So I'm going to take Makwan and Mirakani to get it done. And I'm next sure we have a matchup of two underrated guys. Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos taking on Muslim Salikov. Muslim, he's, uh, I think, 3-1 and one in the UFC, and he has won three consecutive fights. For Zaleski, he's 8-2 in the U in the UFC, 8-1 in his last nine fights. But you do have to say that Zaleski hasn't been looking as good. You know, I thought his last fight was a little bit debatable. He went over there to uh, Asia, got dominated by the leech, Li Jingliang. And... Um, Looking at this fight, man, I mean, I'm a big fan of Muslim Salikov. He has really good striking. I mean, doesn't load anything so fast. But the thing is, I mean, he does kind of wait to counter a lot. He's a pot shotter. He doesn't throw a lot of combinations. I mean, he does have the one-shot power. He has the flashy spins and really good counter. So he makes it hard for guys to be high volume against him. But he doesn't throw a lot of volume, which... Elizio Zaleski throws a lot more punches than him, throws a lot more strikes. So maybe Zaleski will be able to, on the feet, make it competitive by just throwing more volume than Muslim. But I think it's going to be hard for him to throw volume against a guy that's cocked and ready to counter like Salikov, man. I mean, Salikov can dead you with either hand, spinning attacks that can knock you out. And when he hits you clean, I mean, it's a one-punch knockout. The thing is with Zaleski, very durable throughout his career. So, that's going to be interesting if he can take the shots that Muslim has. But Muslim's an explosive, dynamic, one-shot guy. And I see people talking about, like, uh, they think that Zaleski's going to come in here and take him down. But that's not really Zaleski's thing, man. I mean, he was able to take down a guy like Curtis Melender. But Muslim, I mean, he has good wrestling. He has heavy hips. He has good takedown defense against the cage. Wide base. He digs underhooks and disengages well. Um, good sprawls. I mean, he's pretty hard to take down. I mean, we saw Alex Garcia struggle to take him down. This isn't a Curtis Melender, guys. This isn't a guy that you could just take down by uh, a gust of wind. I mean, he has good takedown defense, real heavy hips, and I think it's going to be very hard for uh, Zaleski to even time a takedown with that in and out movement as well. I think that, you know, Muslim is probably going to be able to make this fight a stand up fight. Um,. Zaleski was throwing, he throws a lot of very wide shots, wild shots. And I don't know if that's going to slide here with a guy like Muslim. I just think Muslim at some point is going to land that counter shot and knock him out. Um, yeah, or win a decision. I just think he's cleaner on the feet, crisper on the feet. I think it's going to be very hard for a guy like Zaleski that, I mean, I think he has 
five takedowns in his whole UFC career, which is 10 fights. So he's not a guy that's active with the wrestling. If he was, I would be more inclined to pick him here. But I think Muslim's takedown defense is underrated. I think his striking is just better than Zaleski's cleaner. I think Zaleski leaves a lot of openings. And I think that, you know, his, his style of being so aggressive kind of plays into Muslim's uh, game plan. So I'm going to go with Salikov to get a knockout at some point or win a decision here. Up next here, we have a really fun fight. Volkan Uzdemir, he's going to be welcoming Jerry Prochaska to the UFC. And he's on his way to a second UFC title shot. I mean, he's won back-to-back -back fights against good fighters. Looking to make it three in a row here. Big, powerful kickboxer. Good jab. He'll double-triple up on that jab. He uses it to the body. Mix in uh, some lead left hooks. And really crazy power in his short hooks. I mean, we've seen that time and time again in his UFC career. He'll throw a lead right, overhand right as well that's very heavy. Really nice leg kicks, real good body kicks. He'll throw even head kicks occasionally. And uh, he was able to land a really nice, beautiful uh, step-in knees against Alir Latifi. Um, those aren't going to be available against a taller guy like uh, Jerry Prochaska. But we saw in his last fight against a taller guy, Volkan really you know, attacked the body and he also invested into the leg kicks so i think he's going to be looking to do that again here go low and then uh you know break him down and then go high volcan i mean he has one of the best chins i've seen man i mean he takes some huge shots and uh, he's shown ability to fire back when he's getting lit up or even when he's hurt he'll stick in the pocket with his high guard and just uh try to, to block as much as he can hurt uh you know defend the onslaught and then throw some shots of his own but uh you know, that can, you know, eventually put him in trouble, especially against a guy like Jerry that has a lot of these uh, knockouts during his career. But like I said, I mean, Vulcan, he's one of the most durable guys in the UFC. Um, and he has five KOs in under a minute, 11 overall. They're all in the first round. So if he gets you out of there, it's going to be in the first round for Vulcan. And the only time he's been finished was via ground and pound against Dan Cormier. And as far as grappling goes for Vulcan, he's improved it a lot. I mean, he showed good double legs, good body locks. Um, in top position, he has really good ground and pound. Um, and his takedown defense has gotten way better. I mean, he has very heavy hips. He's able to defend the takedowns pretty easily. He's very physically strong. Good job of framing, throwing short punches and elbows in the clinch. Um, and hanging around with Vulcan in a clinch is just a scary proposition. Because you'll throw those short hooks, those uppercuts, and he'll put you out. I mean... We saw that against Jimmy Manoa. And uh, off of his back, Ozdemir isn't very good. But I don't think he's going to have to worry about that here. I mean, I think he's going to be a significantly better wrestler in this fight. Um, Ozdemir looks like he's improved his cardio. He's fixed that in his game as well. He's, he's improving fight in, fight out, looking better and better. And for his opponent, Jerry Prochaska, I mean, Jerry, I mean, he's terrorized organizations for years. He's destroyed almost all of his opponents. He has 23 knockouts, and 26 of his 30 fights have finished in the first round. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy. He's big for the weight class. He's very athletic, one-shot power, and he uses a lot of movement. He switches stances, very herky-jerky. He'll throw, uh, you know, with fight-ending intentions with both hands. And uh, he has a good lead hand. He'll throw a lot of jabs, a lot of flurries, a lot of lead hooks. He'll uh, use a lot of feints, fakes, dups, ducks, dips. He kind of tries to freeze guys. Then he'll shoot the straight down the middle. 
You'll follow that up with big hooks. You'll use jabs to get the range and then bomb that straighter hook. He'll switch stances after the jab and then land that switch stance uh, straight down the middle. He'll throw some winking overhands and then come back into back fist. Good uppercut. He doesn't really kick that often, but he will throw some nice high kicks, front kicks up the middle. Really nasty flying knees. And when he gets confident, he goes forward. He's moving in and out. He's very dangerous. I mean, he's hard to time. But he leaves a lot to be desired defensively. He comes forward with his hands down. He leaves his chin exposed. He does have a good chin, but he's very hittable. And he gets his head snapped back a lot in fights. He got knocked out cold by King Mo. And he has been KO'd twice in his career. 23 knockouts for Jiri, which is pretty insane. He's not a great grappler, though. He isn't an offensive wrestler. Doesn't have the best takedown defense. He is dangerous with the flying knees and counters when fighters try to get in on his legs. But... When they do get in, he's usually getting taken down. He isn't bad off his back. He will fish for guillotines. He'll throw up some triangles. But doesn't look very high level. His guard can get past pretty easily. We saw King Mo posture up, land some big elbows that cut Jerry open in their first fight. Brandon Halsey was able to take his back, almost submitted him. And Jerry, you know, he makes mistakes. I mean, we saw in the Halsey fight, he was using head movement to avoid punches when Halsey was on his back, which is just stupid. Left his neck out, got almost choked out. He does have okay get-ups. I mean, he's explosive. You'll wait for the right time and just explode back to his feet. And when he can get on top, he's super dangerous. I mean, he'll rain down shots, finish the fight. Um, he likes to finish with strikes more than submissions. He only has two submission wins. He has been submitted one time. And uh, he's a guy that, you know, pushes the pace, great cardio, even though he gets a lot of his fights out early, he does that because he'll just push a high pace. Uh, the guys will beat up on him a little bit, but he survives, and then he gets the finish after. But I have to go with Vulcan here. I just think on the feet, his defense, his pressure is good enough to walk down jury, work the low kicks, the hooks, the inside fighting. Vulcan will probably have an advantage, uh, you know, in the grappling as well. And I just think he's going to KO him early, though. I think that... For Jury, I think his defensive deficiencies are going to let him down. I think Vulcan is just going to land a big shot when uh, Jury is leaving his hands low, coming inside to knock him out. So I think Vulcan will get the win inside the distance here. And I'm next year. I'm not going to spend a ton on this one. It's uh, Paige Van Zandt taking on Amanda Hebos. And, uh, you know, Amanda, she's a huge favorite. I mean, I, I can't bet on Amanda at that line. That's insane. I mean, Paige... You know, everyone knows kind of what's going on. This is her last fight on her contract. Uh, she's been having a big dispute with the UFC in terms of money, in terms of pay. It looks like she's probably going to be going over to Bellator. Um, and uh, they're giving her a really hard matchup to try to, you know, give her a loss on the way out, uh, lower her leverage. But Paige, you know, she's a tough chick and she uh, is scrappy. She's tenacious. Her wrestling is decent. I mean, there's not like a lot of great things to say about Paige in terms of her skill set and I think everyone knows Amanda outclasses her probably on the feet probably is a lot better on the mat better wrestling and she's just probably the better athlete overall she's gonna be the bigger girl in there and I just think that um I think she should definitely get the victory here um this is gonna be at 125 which you know I don't think Kibas has fought at 125 in a while um, she's been fighting at 115, so that is a little bit of a difference, but I just think that, you know, everyone knows Amanda's probably going to be able to get the victory here. I think that she's 
Some people think she's going to run through Paige, get like a dominant finish, something like that. I don't know about that. I think that, you know, Paige is going to be tough, but I think Kivas is going to wear down, maybe get a late finish. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think Kivas is better on the feet. She's better on the ground. Um, better cardio. I don't, I don't see a lot of ways that Paige is going to get the victory here. But, you know, um, stranger things have happened, but I'm going to obviously go with... Uh, Man, he about to get the victory, and not a lot of interest in that fight, you know. Up next year, we got a real interesting fight. We got Jessica Andrade taking on Rose Namajunas, and, um, you know, this is a rematch, obviously. Jessica Andrade, she is coming off that knockout loss to Wee Lee, whereas Rose hasn't fought since that fight, so a lot of people, you know, put a lot of weight into, you know, the mindset of Rose. Obviously, she was talking about retiring after that fight, and... Talking about how she could have been injured very badly. She got slammed on her neck. And now she's fighting the same opponent. So, you know, you have to have some questions in terms of where her mind is at. If she's going to be 100% mentally going into the cage. But when you look at the first fight, I mean, early on, Rose was clearly dominating her with the hands. I mean, she had way better boxing, way better footwork. She was able to just land those straight punches, look very clean, and just... uh keep Jessica on the end of her shots she dropped Jessica she rocked her uh, at a time and um you know she was just able to look very nice very clean very fluid using a lot of movement but we did see Jessica started you know investing into the body investing into the low kicks and even in the first round she was able to you know close that distance get Rose against the cage and hit a lift but Rose obviously was able to defend the first lift before she got knocked out on the second one um, you know, this fight I think is interesting because obviously Andrade is going to have to early on survive that storm again. Rose is the much more technical girl. She's way better on the feet if you're talking about just skill set. But Jessica Andrade is a tank. She's a durable chick. She has the size and, um, she's willing to take a shot to give a shot and she throws a hell of a shot. So she's going to be coming forward, pushing that pace. She definitely has the cardio advantage. I mean, we've seen Rose fade in multiple fights in the past. And, you know, Andrade needs to attack that leg kick from the start. She needs to attack the body. And she needs to try to uh, grapple heavy, you know, land a slam, get on top, pound out Rose, control on top. Or, uh, you know, just try to take away that distance that Rose wants. Because that distance, Rose is going to be piecing her up. She's going to be sticking and moving. And in this fight, I mean, I think that... Uh, Rose is going to be at a liberty to kind of lower the output and just, you know, make it a, a more of a fight where she can win a decision because now she doesn't have to go five full rounds. She only has to go three rounds. So she can maybe feel better in her cardio that she could just kind of stick and move for three rounds. I think in that first fight, she really was trying to get a finish early on, got very tired, and then uh, Jessica started kind of putting it on her. But, uh, man, I mean, this is an interesting fight for me to call. I want to see during the week how... Uh, Rose is doing how she's acting because I think Rose should get the win here she's the better striker I think that she she has the grappling to negate the grappling of Andra stand up defend the takedowns and just her movement and the way that she maintains range and distance it makes it very hard for fighters to shoot in effectively so I just think Rose will probably be able to you know outstrike her again if it goes to a decision when two of the three rounds I think Rose is just a lot more technical, but Andrade is always live, man. I mean, Andrade could always get a knockout victory, get a finish, even win a decision, but...
you know, I'm going to pick Rose, but I think that line is off. I mean, I don't know how you could have Rose minus 210. She just lost the fight against Jessica. She just lost her last fight. So to have it minus 210, I mean, I, I don't know. I think you'd be a little bit crazy to bet on that. I mean, I think plus 170 for Andrade is the much better price. I think this should be closer to a pick em. But uh, I'm going to go with Thug Rose. I think she's going to get her uh, get her uh, win back, you know, uh, redeem herself here and defeat Jessica Andrade. But it's a close one. Man, up next here, Jose Otto, Petter Jan. Man, some of you guys are bitching about this fight. I don't care. I'm excited to sell for this fight. It's going to be an awesome fight. Can't wait for it. And, uh, you know, breaking it down here, Petter Jan, I mean, Obviously, he's the young lion. He's a big favorite to win the Bantamweight belt. I mean, it seems like no one has given Otto a chance. He's undefeated in the UFC. And his only loss in his career is a split decision in 2016. So, 6-0 in the UFC. But this is definitely a step up in competition. This is Jan's first title fight. First five-round UFC fight. He's an animal, though. I mean, he's chopping at the bit for this opportunity, I'm sure. On the feet, he's an elite pressure fighter. Very polished boxing. He walks opponents down, and he tries to break them. I mean, he stays very tight, defensively sound, switches stances seamlessly. Great job cutting off the cage, not chasing, and just taking his opponent's uh, opportunities to strike, or taking his opportunities to strike when fighters' backs are against the cage. He sets his boxing combinations up very well. Great fakes, great feints. He'll change up the speed of his punches. He'll go high-low. He has a very nice jab. He'll shoot the jab, body-head. He likes to throw the jab to the body and then come over the top with the overhand he has a nasty straight down the middle he'll follow that with the fadeaway or overhand he uh, likes to throw the straight right hand uh followed by the fadeaway overhand left he'll uh, throw some hard one twos down the pipe he'll switch stances throw uh quick straight lefts and has great uppercuts in close his left hand is deadly man i mean huge power with it very accurate a nasty left hook nasty overhand left he does a very good job of switching stances mid-combination and catching fighters with that left hand. I mean, we saw him drop Jim Rivera that way. Very good at slipping and returning with punches. Good head movement. Um, very good at circling um, circling away from blitzes, pivoting, retaking the center. He's good at uh, controlling the octagon, and he's a good kicker as well. Good low kicks, good oblique kicks. He'll throw some hard round kicks to the body, to the head. And the head kick that he landed on Faber was nasty. I mean, Jan will mix kicks into punching combinations, nice spinning attacks, and he can be a savage on the feet. I mean, he can be hit at times because he admires his work in the pocket. And his pressure style, and he's, you know, always coming forward, that makes it impossible to kind of not get touched a bit as well at times. He, has, he is a bit heavy on his lead leg. Sometimes he can overextend with that right hand, be available to counter. I feel like he'd be susceptible to body shots at times. Jinsu Sun had success landing some body shots on him. Having said that, though, he's very durable, takes big shots, has little reaction, keeps coming forward, never been finished by strikes, and he has 6 KOTKOs and 14 wins. He isn't a one-punch knockout guy, but definitely has big power. And he's a good grappler. His wrestling and jiu-jitsu aren't on the level of his striking, but he's growing, he's improving every fight. Um, training a Tiger, you know, has helped Jan striking or his clinch game a lot. He's good at uh, working wrist control, throwing uppercuts in the single collar. But you also land knees, elbows from that Muay Thai plum. Isn't super active in the clinch, but he's good at landing a few shots, disengaging. And I've seen Jan land some clinch throws early in early in his career. 
He was killing Uriah Faber with shots off the break. He uh, is excellent at using his defensive boxing to kind of create wrestling uh, opportunities. Against Faber, you know, he was slipping the overhand right, and then he would duck under, take the back from a standing. And from there, he was hitting kind of a weird uh, mat return. I mean, he, he would kind of, uh, I would say he would lock his hands, like, in into a tight waist. Then he kind of would drop to a knee and pull his opponent over the knee and kind of hit a trip that way. He did that against uh, Jimmy or uh, John Dotson as well pretty effectively. And you'll shoot some blast doubles, but he isn't a super active wrestler, and he isn't the greatest on top. He um, can't get into a dominant position and just rain down ground and pound against lower level guys. He'll get to that wrestling ride, and I've seen him, you know, take him out and finish him, guys. But isn't a submission threat. Um, isn't a guy that's probably going to finish Aldo on the mat unless he hurts him bad. Petr Jan is strong takedown defense, uh, heavy hips, fast hips, and he's good at cutting angles to avoid fighters getting in on his legs. He's good at getting his hips back, framing on the head, and pretty good scrambling ability. He's hard to hold down. When fighters can't cement position on him, though, he doesn't look great. That's definitely the weakest part of his game. I mean, he can kind of just be a little bit passive, just lay on his back. And In his fight with Jinsu Sun, Sun was able to control him for about two minutes in the second round. Jan was kind of attempting to use a butterfly guard, but didn't really you know, work with it that didn't really use it that well. Sun was able to posture and pass his guard a couple times. He even took the back of Petter Jan and Jan was eventually able to scramble back to his feet, but showed some deficiencies there. And uh Aldo has actually stated that Jan trained with him to help his ground game and Aldo was able to kind of dominate Jan on the mat in their training sessions. So that's an interesting wrinkle, you know, maybe Aldo will go to that. But um Jan is just one career guillotine his main strengths in this fight are going to be his youth, his cardio, his durability. And um, his cardio is elite. I mean, wearing on Aldo, keeping a high pace is going to be a huge part of the game plan if he's going to win. He's young, he's hungry, and he wants to, you know, take out another legend, cement his legacy here. Aldo, he's getting one more crack at UFC gold. I mean, he's going to get a chance to become a two-division champion. And he's lost his last two title fights, so this is probably his last shot here. Um... He has lost two in a row as well, but his last fight was highly contested. A lot of people thought he won that one. And he looked very good at Bantamweight. I mean, he's going to be looking to replicate a similar performance. He's, uh, you know, a great striker, very elite level striker. He has one of the best jabs in UFC history. I mean, he'll shoot that thing body head. He has really tremendous lateral footwork. I mean, extremely hard for, a, for opponents to back him up and get his back against the cage. He uh, is a really nice straight right hand down the middle. Um, really good at using feints to uh, set that thing up. He um, nasty counter straight rights and hooks. He likes to throw the left hook and straight lefts uh, um, hard to the body. I mean, he has really nasty body shots. Great job of uh, faking and feigning feign uh, the same combinations he lands. And he really makes his opponents always react to him by kind of always moving, twitching, just kind of just you know, keeping him off balance, and I really hope that he gets back to the leg kick in this fight, man, but really hasn't shown them much in recent fights, um, you know, he has amazing head movement, he'll slip and return with hard hooks to the body, with hard straight punches, and he was really making Marlon Rice hesitant to throw with that slip and return, because he was slipping and returning with two, three, four shots in combination, nasty stepping knees to the body when opponents try to get inside, nasty flying knees, um, you know, I mean, he has really heavy head kicks. He's still, like, 
an extremely explosive, powerful guy. Definitely the guy with more one-shot knockout power here. Um, I think he's actually going to be a little bit faster as well, but that's kind of debatable. And Aldo has 17 knockouts in his career. Um, he's been finished with strikes three times. Um, and in my opinion, you know, he was taking a lot of shots from Marlon Marais, though, and just eating them like cupcakes, which is really just, you know, kind of... Uh, that was telling because, I mean, if he can do that against these Bantamweights, just eat the shots and, you know, not really, um, you know, respect their striking and be able to just walk them down and terminator them. I mean, for five rounds, that's a big thing. And uh, in terms of the grappling, I mean, Aldo's a black belt. He's one of the best defensive grapplers in UFC history. I mean, I think he has like a 91% takedown defense. When you shoot in on him, you always have to be weary of those knees, those accurate uppercuts. Really nasty in the clinch with clinch knees as well, elbows, real good shots off the break. Um, and he rarely shoots takedowns, but he has good reactive doubles. Clinch takedowns aren't bad. And like I said, maybe in this fight, knowing that he has an advantage on the ground, he will go to that. But man, I mean, I liked what I saw from Jose in his last fight. He fought like a wild man in his last fight. He's gassed before, but he looked full of energy even between rounds after um, that in that fight and he was having fun in there again i mean you saw him smiling he showed an insane chin he hit some fucking hammers they had a flush head kick and rice definitely it's harder than yawn in my opinion Aldo kept an insane pace in that fight he was pressuring he was forcing marlin backwards constantly his jab was popping he was landing that nasty straight the uppercut he was digging to the body and he was doing his thing like usual like vintage Aldo. the only thing that was missing was the kicks i think Low kicks in this fight would be huge if he actually throws them. I mean, we saw Jimmy Rivera hurt the leg of Jan with kicks. Aldo needs to stay off the cage in this fight, and he's very good at doing that. I mean, he's actually a lead. He has great footwork. He's great at maintaining the center. He'll use blitz attacks or jabs to get off the cage quickly when you do back him up. He's going to be the more athletic, fast twitch guy in this fight. And when Aldo lands clean, he swarms. He take guys. He takes guys out. That's evident in a lot of his finishes. And he's going to be a lot bigger here as well. It's going to be interesting who goes forward in this fight. I mean, Jan never takes a backward step, but Aldo completely dominated the center of the fight in his last fight. And um, Aldo is just so willing to, he was just so willing to sit in the pocket and trade and brawl with Marlon and just stayed in his face. He was getting his head off center line, returning with really fast combinations. Marlon was able to touch Jose a lot and stick and move well, but... That's not Jan's game, and if Aldo can take the shots, which I feel he definitely can, and has that same cardio he did versus Marais, where it looked like he could go have gone five hard rounds easily, I think he definitely has a big chance to win this fight by pressuring Jan, forcing him on the back foot, never giving Jan the openings of being on the cage and staying busier, keeping the jab in Jan's face, countering Jan with body shots, with straights when he tries to get off, and just bullying him. I don't think Jan is going to be able to just steamroll and knock out Aldo like people think. Aldo, you know, like I said, he was able to eat the shots of Marlon Rice like cupcakes. And I just don't think Jan has that same power. Both guys can be wide coming in and a clean counter can hurt anyone. I just, I don't think Aldo will wrestle like people say. It's probably going to be a stand-up fight. I think Aldo hits harder. I think he's bigger. He's faster. He's more fast twitch. He's more athletic. And if he can keep the pace, he's probably going to win. I don't think Jan... Is he going to be able to back Aldo up and catch him flat against the cage like he does these other guys? I think in the center of the octagon, it's going to be a close boxing fight. And I think Aldo will eventually try to pick it up, turn it into a brawl, and take Jan out. I don't know if he'll be able to take him out or win a decision. But 
I'm going to pick Aldo. Giannis to prove it to me, man. He's going to be uh, having to walk down a bigger man. He's going to have to back Aldo up, something that's very hard, and probably have to brawl with him, really, uh, you know, make him work to beat him. Because, man, I mean, people are thinking, like, this better Jan is not Max Holloway, guys. I mean, Max Holloway fought at 155. He ate shots from a guy like Dustin Poirier, who hits like a truck. He's a huge guy with a reach advantage. You know, Alexander Volkanovsky, another guy that has a reach advantage over Aldo. Conor McGregor, another guy that has a reach advantage over Aldo. I mean, Marlon, he has a 67-inch reach also, and we saw what happened in that fight. Aldo was the aggressor. Aldo was walking him down. Aldo was the one that was eating the shots and coming forward. And, man, I mean, I just don't have that same um, confidence of Petr Jan. Petr Jan has to show it to me. I mean... In his fight with Jimmy Rivera, that first round, Rivera was dominating the round. He got the late knockdown. And then on two or three judges' scorecards, Rivera won the third round. So, I mean, Rivera was very close to defeating Petr Jan. I think that uh, Otto has similar angles. He cuts angles very well. He he moves very well. He's not going to let Petr just back him up. And I think he hits harder if they exchange. I think Otto's going to win the exchanges. Um, it's just going to be if Otto could keep the pace and... I'm going to go with Jose Aldo. I think he's going to get it done. I want to see him as well on the scale, see him throughout the week. He said that th this weight cut has been easier than the last one. Um, I'm going to go with Jose Aldo to get it done. I know I'm going to be in the big minority here, but um, I, I think the line is off too. I mean, Petr Jan, you know, I mean, he's coming off a win over a guy that Aldo beat 10 years ago. So I'm going with Jose Aldo to get the win. I think he's going to get it done. So um, pick his Jose Aldo here. And up next, you have another rematch. We got Alex Volkanovsky, the champ, taking on Max Holloway, who's trying to get his crown back. And there's a lot of interesting things with this fight. I mean, we've heard uh, Max have a really difficult camp where, you know, he struggled with the lockdown. He's said that he's taking a lot of his uh, training on Zoom. I mean, which I just don't know. Uh, that doesn't sound good to me. But then when you look at Alex Volkanovsky, I mean, that same sentiment was coming in when people were talking about Dan Hooker because. New Zealand was one of the, um, you know, countries in Australia was one of the countries that was the heaviest um, on lockdown. So they, I don't know how well Alex Volkanovsky was doing as well with camp, things like that. But I think he did say the gym was open and he was able to train with just small groups, which is better than what Max Holloway was doing. And um, man, I mean, the first fight, I kind of feel like I gave a great breakdown. I predicted the fight very well and picking Alex Volkanovsky to win and how he won. Um, you know, just through being the smarter fighter, the fakes, the feints, throwing those low kicks, he really affected that leg of Max. And uh, he was just in and out. He was more defensively sound. And that's the difference. I mean, Max Holloway, he's a guy that relies on his chin and relies on a lot of volume, relies on being able to you know, have the range, back guys up, tire them out, and or just get them to stand in front of them and, um, you know, exchange, whereas Volkanovsky's never going to do that. He's always going to be in and out. He's always going to be defensively sound. He's going to be, you know, moving in, landing a couple shots, landing a low kick, getting out, and it's like Max Holloway said, it's like a point karate style, but that style was enough to dominate Max Holloway in the first fight. I mean, some people think Max won the last two rounds. I kind of feel like he won the fifth round. I don't know if he won the fourth round. And those rounds were still similar. I mean, it wasn't like he uh, got dominated in the rounds he lost or he was dominating the rounds he won. It was just kind of, you know, they were playing a game of tag. And 
uh, Volkanovski was better at that game of tag overall, but Max maybe was better at the end. And what I mean by in and out is, like, Max, I mean, he's extremely good at with distance control, man. I mean, he keeps that distance control, and if you try to just explode in and, like, he'll just cut you off with the straight punches and bang, bang. I mean, he's tagging you, and he's just backing off, and it's hard to get inside. But Volkanovski showed in that fight, I mean, his footwork and his ability to attack the body, then come over the top with hooks, things like that. He was closing that distance over and over, and the way that he closed the gap negated the distance control of Max Holloway, which was massive in that fight. And Max has to find a way to not allow that to happen. Which is just much easier said than done because, I mean, when Volkanovski got inside, he was landing these hooks over the top, these bigger shots that kind of disrupted Max's rhythm because Max likes to be a guy that touch-touch and then throws these harder shots. And Alex would kind of, when Max was touching, he'd close that distance, get inside, throw a clubbing overhand, a clubbing hook, and just back Max off, maybe attack the body, throw a leg kick after, and just kind of... Stayed one step ahead, out-volumed him, landed a lot of significant strikes. I mean, he landed a ton of volume in that fight. He has the ability to keep the cardio, match the pace. It did look a little bit like, you know, Alex got a little bit tired in those last couple rounds. And that's why Max was able to start to control distance a little bit better, land his strikes. It looked like he, you know, Alex was a little bit surprised how good Max was in southpaw after he kind of hurt his leg. He switched stances and... Was able to negate the low kicks a little bit by being southpaw. And Max, you know, he's just going he's gonna to have to figure out a way to get inside without being countered. And stop Volkanovski getting in and getting out. I mean, uh, Volkanovski just did a very good job with the feints. He did a good job of uh, countering Max when he tried to get inside. And he did a good job of, uh, you know, getting in and getting out and negating that distance control with the footwork, which, man, I mean, I just think, I don't know. I think that Alex could even mix in some level changes in this fight, try to change it up, uh, work some clinch control, work some uh, takedowns if he can get the fight to the ground. And I just think Alex Volkanovski is probably going to get the win here, man. I mean, it's a rematch. I mean, we've seen Max even say certain things like where, he was fighting Aldo, like, if you fight me once in the rematch, I'm going to beat you even worse. In the third fight, you should question even taking the fight. So, I mean, Max probably is thinking in his head, too, that this is going to be a tough fight. And with this training camp not being ideal, um, all those things compounded, I just think Alex Volkanovski is probably going to do enough to get it done here. I don't think he's going to finish Max. I mean, he's not a finisher. He's not a guy that uh, puts himself that many risks to get, you know, finished himself so he's just kind of like a, a decisionator he's an economical decision guy and that's something that's safe to bet on something kind of like the main eventer like Kamaru Usman and um, I think Alex Volkanovsky is just gonna be able to get it done here so I gotta go with Alex Volkanovsky oh shit oh shit yeah baby we got the main event George Masvidal versus Kamaru Usman or Kamaru Usman versus George Masvidal excuse me I mean <laughs> Man, I mean, who thought this happened, right? I mean, basically, uh, Masvidal pri priced himself out according to the UFC. Uh, they gave the fight to Gil Burns. Gil Burns gets COVID, and it's perfect, uh, perfect storm for George. I mean, George probably got exactly what he wanted or pretty fucking close to it. And um, got to, uh, you know, flex his muscle in terms of the BMF thing even more because he's stepping up on six days' notice, taking on the champ, Kamaro Usman. 
And you got to give him some credit here, man. I mean, he's flying to Abu Dhabi. He's taking this fight. And um, this is opportunity. I mean, he's been in the game for 15 years. He's had over f almost 50 fights. And finally getting the crack at the UFC belt. I mean, this is what he's been working for his whole career. What he's been working for since he's come back with this, uh, you know, new resurgence in his career. With, uh, you know, the baptism gimmick and all that. And he's going to be taking on a guy that he doesn't like either. And Kamaru Usman, these guys have a lot of beef. They don't really like each other. And uh, it's an awesome fight. I mean, I think this is a fight that fans are probably going to be more excited for than the Burns and the Usman fight. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, when you look at this fight, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? I mean, George Masvidal, I listened to an interview of his. And, uh, obviously, like I said, he's taking this fight on short notice. So, he was saying that he's not in fighting shape, but he is in shape. So... That kind of worries me already. I mean, he said that he's not in the same shape he was when he fought Darren Till or Ben Askren. Um, so, I don't think he's going to be coming in there exactly 100% like he usually is. But, you know, for Kamaru Usman, there's been a lot of distractions for Usman as well in terms of he's had to switch camps for this fight. He's training with uh, Trevor Whitman. He was going to fight a totally different guy in Gilbert Burns, who's a black belt world champion on the mat. And, um, you know, he left his he left his camp because Burns obviously fights at that same camp. He's obviously having to travel to Abu Dhabi. This is a short notice fight with Mazadal. Um, You know, it's going to be very, very hot in there. Maybe that'll help um, Mazadal tire out Usman easier if he could deny some takedown attempts. It's kind of maybe giving, you know... Mazadal the best storm to go in there and get the victory get a knockout But when you look at this fight just on paper, man, I mean, it's hard to pick uh, George Mazadal. I mean Usman is gonna be a monster in there. He's a huge guy He's gonna have a four and a half inch reach advantage in the fight He's he's not like Ben Askren where he's just only a pure wrestler He's gonna be in there just like diving for ankles for dear life. I think that you know, he's obviously not gonna strike with uh Mazdal, or that's what Mazdal kind of has to make him do. I mean, Mazdal has to get in his head during fight week. He has to really try to get him to strike like he did in his last fight, and that's going to be his chance to get the knockout. I mean, obviously, if it stays on the feet, Mazdal has better boxing. He's sharper and, um, you know, probably hits harder. He's not as clunky as Usman. He's a little bit stiff, and, uh, you know, he's going to have a chance to get a knockout if it stays standing, obviously, but. I mean, I think Usman, if he wants to take down George Mazadal, he's probably going to be able to take him down, man. And if he wants to hold him down, he's going to be able to hold him down. And I don't know what George is going to be able to do about it. I mean, I just think Usman is the clearly superior wrestler. I think that once he gets in on George, even if they get in the clinch or something like that, I think he's going to be much, much stronger than him. The thing about Usman on top, I mean, he has some decent ground and pound, but uh, hasn't really... You know, it doesn't look like he's trained much jujitsu throughout his career. He doesn't have very good submissions. He doesn't pass guard very well. He kind of just lay and pray on you. And due to that, I mean, his style can be kind of boring when he chooses to grapple heavy. But, uh, I mean, he's a guy that doesn't care about that. He's a guy that'll just go out there, win a boring decision, win 5-0, ragdoll Masvidal, go home with his belt. And it's just hard to pick against a guy like Kamaru Usman, man. I mean, we saw him in his last fight go out there take out Colby Covington, finish him in a grudge match. This is another grudge match. And, I mean, Masvidal, even if Masvidal was on a full camp, man, I mean, I think it'd be hard to take Masvidal. We've seen just Masvidal taken down and controlled too many times. And,
I, I just, it's tough, man. It's tough for Masvidal to get the win. I think if Usman grapples, I think he's likely going to get the victory here. I mean, it's that's basically all there is to the to the breakdown, in my opinion. I mean, on the feet, obviously Masvidal has a chance, but uh, I mean, I just think Usman's going to take him down at will and ragdoll him, man. I'm going to be cheering for George. I hope George goes in there, and gets it done. Um, big fan, obviously. Um, Really like George Masvidal. I think it'll be way more fun of a story for the UFC and more fun of a fight if he goes out there and gets a knockout because I think that if he loses, it's going to be a decision win for Usman. I think it's going to be kind of boring. And, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I'm going to go with Kamaru Usman to get the victory via decision in this one. And um, I think that the line is pretty good. I mean, minus 280, minus 300. I think he could almost be like minus 400, minus 350. So, um yeah, going with Kamaru Usman, I think he should get it done there. So there you guys uh, have it. You got the breakdown for UFC 251. Make sure to uh, drop a like down there, write a comment, subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed. We're going to have more awesome content coming out. Make sure to check uh, Odds HQ. Friday, I'm going to be doing another video on there, post weigh-ins. going uh, to uh, be posting it on the channel here as well so you can watch it live. We are live and or you can watch it after it is going to be uh, recorded and given out after as well make sure to check the guys out there at from uh odds hq as well you know like clint from diehard podcast most dream uh tv um boston nick a lot of those guys are really good cappers as well you get a lot of information from a lot of guys here on uh youtube i mean there's a lot of great people that do videos so shout out to everyone in the community uh it's all growing and yeah, thanks for uh, watching these predictions, guys. Tell me if you agree, disagree, what you think is going to happen in the main event. And just like last week, uh, ju or just like a couple weeks ago, and just like the event before that, put down your main event picks. Uh, tell me who you think is going to win, and you'll get a shout-out just like uh, we saw the shout-outs today that we got. So uh, shout-out to those guys once again. And uh, maybe you'll be the winner next time. So make sure to get involved. Uh, put down your comment and try to get the victory. And uh, thanks for watching, guys. And uh, I'm going to be putting out this video for um, the next the next uh, UFC Fight Island card, which is coming up, you know, midweek next week. Probably Wednesday or Thursday. So I'm going to try to get it out for you guys a little, maybe a week ahead, six days ahead. So be on the lookout for that one. But, yep, once again, guys, make sure to be... Uh, Locked into the channel for the content coming in throughout the week. And uh, make sure to tell a friend about this breakdown. And thanks for watching, guys. And thanks for staying plugged in.